Amen. Well, guys, we hope you brought a Bible. If you did, would you make your way this morning to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4? We're going to be finishing up chapter 4 this morning in a series that we've been working our way through just verse by verse in this book, and so excited to be there. Hope you brought a Bible. If you didn't, there are Bibles in front of you, the chairs in front of you, page number on the screen. You can get that rapidly. You can use an electronic device. If you want to follow it along in in a Bible app, that works as well. One way or another, our invitation, our exhortation, is that you'd have the Bible, and you'd have it open, and you would allow God to speak to you this morning through His Word. That's true for everybody here in the sanctuary, but let me also just include you if you're online or in our overflow. We want to make sure that you also are just included in that invitation, that you would step into this space, and that hopefully you'd have a Bible opening it up, and that God would speak to you this morning uh, through His Word. That's our need. That's what our longing is this morning, and so let's ask Him for that. I'm going to lead you in prayer once more, but it is a space that I'm inviting you very quietly to ask God that he would speak to you, that he would make his word known to you, that it would be personal, that there would be a space where what he is wanting to say to you, you will hear this morning. So let's ask him for that. Would you join me right now in prayer? Father, right now I am asking that you would take your word that you have given to us that is alive, that is powerful. And you would give us understanding. You would give us openness to both comprehend it, but heed it. I think of just that instruction uh, that Eli gave a young Samuel. That there in your presence to you is that God who is a speaking God. Would say, speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. God, I pray that you would give us such hearts that we could be right at this moment saying to you, God, your servant's listening. I want to hear you. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to know what that is, and I, and I want it to work into me. God, I pray that for me, but I pray it for each of us. Would you grant favor, help, strength, that by your Spirit you'd open up your Word into our lives effectively, powerfully, transformatively? God, would you do that now by just the work of your Spirit in this moment, in this time? We look to you for that. And we pray for it together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Never, never, never give up. Hey, those words immortalized by Winston Churchill facing the World War in World War II have been said in thousands of ways, in thousands of spaces where it would look upon us and, and steal us and speak to us and invite us. Hey, don't do that. Don't give up. Hey, that's what we're going to be talking about a little bit this morning. In fact, the New Living Translation begins our section this morning that way. It would say, this is why we never give up. That's what we're wanting to speak about. This place where we'd say, hey, that's what we're not supposed to be doing. The New King James, which is the translation that we use here most of the time, says that therefore we do not lose heart, which is what it's speaking about. Therefore we do not lose heart. We say that this morning as we want to step into that and kind of put that into this space that we're not to do that. It's worth noting that what we're about to talk about is connected to what went on before it. Now that should be clear. It's clear even as the the verse begins, right? Therefore. In other words, something we've been talking about is going to move into this moment, and that's important for us to understand. In fact, some of you were here when we began chapter 4. We began chapter 4, we talked about it, right? Because you can look back there, that's what it says. Go back to the beginning of chapter 4, 
gives it to us in verse 1. Therefore, since we have this ministry as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Yeah, it kind of gave us that same phrase. We do not lose heart. That's how this chapter begins. That's how this chapter ends. And so certainly it is much of what we've spoken about. Much that would speak to speak into us, into this place. And yet it's bigger than that. It's worth noting that both of the exhortations began with the same word, right? It begins there in verse 1, therefore. begins in verse 16, where we are, therefore. And that's a connective word that always says what we're about to say is connected to what we've been talking about. And so there's a context to this that if we miss it, we might miss a little bit of what's being told to us. So let me do my best to just remind you. Some of you have been with us, and this will be a good reminder. Some of you haven't, and it'll just help you get a picture. Maybe you'll want to go back and read all of it or go back and maybe hear some of the messages that we've talked about in the midst of it. But we think about things that we've been talking about. Really, this section began back in chapter 2, where Paul began to unpack for us the triumph of Christ, that Jesus has triumphed. That is, he is conquered and won. He's the victor. He's the one that went to the cross, paid the price for our sins, and said, it is finished. It is done. He rose from the grave, conquering sin, conquering the grave, and he has won. He's triumphed over that so that our lives now find itself in this place where in his triumph, we get to both march and be victorious. And he tells us we are like this aroma of Christ, that everything we are in Christ is this place that everywhere we go, we're just kind of casting off this fragrance, this aroma that's saying, Jesus is amazing. Like this is what Jesus has done. He won and our lives now bear the fruit of that. As he called us to see that, understand that, he asked it at the end of chapter 2 by saying, who's enough for this? Who's sufficient? And the answer was, we're not. Like, when we think about wanting to shine Christ and represent him in this world, we're insufficient. But sufficient in Christ, enable in our own abilities, walking in places that we're not enough, but Christ makes us enough, that that sufficiency is found in him. And he calls us to see what he's doing in this, calls us to see the wonder of what that is, and even how he's doing a work inside of us, that we are even day by day being transformed as we gaze upon Christ. There's this beautiful work that is happening inside the the life of, of the Christian. And to that, he then began this chapter by saying, because that's true, because this glorious gospel, because the triumph of Christ, because he's that one who is working, we get to serve him not because we deserve it. You know, we have ministry in the same way we receive mercy, like undeserved favor, that we have this because of Christ. And so he began that chapter telling us that and then invited us to see the glorious gospel of Christ. That he says, you know, we are those who have the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ that is shined upon us, shining in us, that we are those who are recipients of it and we are those who get to reflect just the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ that we get to go, it's all about because of Jesus, it's all because he's triumphed, and we get to shine that. Now, he's told us we get to do that, and yet we do it in weakness. And so he circles back to that idea of our insufficiency and talks about how we have this incredible treasure that is Christ, but in jars of clay, 
in these earthen vessels, speaking of our physical bodies, speaking of the life that we live here, and he's been honest with us. Hey, that's, that's not an easy thing. That's, you know, our physical life is one that is still marred by pain, sorrow, and suffering, and that's intentional. It's a part of the gospel being poured out into this world, and so we talked about it last week, that we have that same spirit of faith that gets to kind of look on all of that and says, but this is amazing. Now, that all loads into this moment where as he ends the chapter saying, it's because of this, because of all of this, we don't lose heart. Because of all that we've been talking about, it's because that is true that we have this. Again, I know that's not enough. I know that in many ways there's such weight and wonder in that, but I hope it's enough to help you see much has been flowing into this. There's much incredible, the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ flying into this, shining on this, meeting us in this space, and then giving us this thought of application, this thought of how it would meet us, where it would tell us it's because of that that we can be in a space that we don't lose heart. You understand what that means, right? We did this when we talked about this just a few weeks ago when we began the chapter. We talked about losing heart and tried to give a definition to it. It's an idiom that is something that can be defined but almost just felt, uh, almost just this place of, of having your heart drop out of your chest, of having a space of being emptied. If we had to give a definition to it, we'd say it's something like this. It's to begin to feel that one cannot do something that one has been trying to do, to feel like giving up, to lose your confidence, courage, or conviction, to be weary, dispirited, and discouraged. Yeah, that's a definition. It's a good one, but in one sense, I can look upon this here and say probably nobody in this room would look upon this and go, I have no idea what that's like. Interesting. Never thought about it. No, probably all of us have felt that way. It's that kind of space where something's happening in life and you just look at it and you say, I I don't want to play. I feel like I'm done. I don't know if I can keep doing this. I don't know if I can keep, I don't know if I can go on another day. I don't know. I mean, I I, I don't feel like playing. I should take my toys and go home. I mean, how do I go on? How? How can I make a, how can I move forward? How can I do that? That, that reality of losing heart, all of us have probably experienced a little bit, some of us, a lot, and yet he's going to tell us it doesn't have to happen. It, it, you don't have to get to that space where that fear that it's going, that you're feeling that way, that that wins into your life. It can be in a space where you and I can say, hey, here's how we fight that. Here's how that doesn't take place in our lives. Here's how we do not lose heart. So let's notice what it says. You got your Bibles there? Let's read what we're going to talk about this morning, and then we'll work through it together. Verse 16, chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Wow. 
gives us three things, three phrasings that help us kind of walk around these realities. And as he begins to unpack it for us, he highlights one of the things that really does create so much of the problem. He says, here's the thing, our outward man is perishing. Again, that's how he said it there in verse 16. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. I love God's word. I love how honest it is. And in some ways, there's almost this place that we could look upon this and say, well, that almost doesn't need any words to say. <laughs> like, we understand what that is. Like, we look upon that, and probably everyone in this room could say, I feel that a little bit, or I understand that. That we could understand, hey, this, this space that we look at, at life and getting older and what it's like. And, and he gets one of those places that I could probably spend like 20 minutes just kind of throwing out those fun phrases, things like, you know, getting old isn't for wimps, but you got to get old anyway, you know, kind of deal. And, uh, you know, other things that are a part of it. But there is a reality that he just wants us to see it. In fact, we could just say it. And maybe it's helpful for me to say it as clear as I can. Everyone in here this morning, every last one of us, you are going to die. That's universal. I just want that to land for a second because there's nothing else that is so universal in this moment, but every one of us is going to die. Now, let me just push back for a second because I know somebody's like, but Jim, I'm holding out for the rapture. Me too. Like, I'm all in. Like, let's do it. But can I just be honest? It's kind of six, one, half dozen to the other because the rapture, we're gone in a moment. You're, you're dead to this life in that moment. It, it, it's over in a moment. And if that happens through the rapture or if it happens in a heart attack, or a car accident, or it happens to something a little bit longer, one way or another, your life down here is going to come to a conclusion. Your life in this world has an end date. You, every last one of you, are going to die for something that is so certain. It's a funny thing that at times it's such an uncomfortable subject. That in some ways we live in a world that kind of like hides that, pushes back from that. But the Bible calls us to it. In fact, Solomon would say in the book of Ecclesiastes that it's good to go to a funeral. He says, good to go to the place where people are mourning. He says, because that's the end of all men. Like everybody's going to face that. And the living should take it to heart. That there ought to be a sense that we are aware of that. There ought to be a sense that you're aware of that. Some have said that you're not really living well until you're ready to die. You know, that there is that sense of saying, okay, I get it. That's going to happen for me. I see it. I'm living in light of that because that's going to happen. Absolutely true. Absolutely true for everybody here. And there's a need to be ready for that. There's a need to be ready for that, which is obviously Christ. We'll come back and talk about that more in a moment. But let's press this a little bit more because this isn't put to us just in a futuristic kind of idea. Though it's true that every one of us is going to die, that's not what it says in the text, right? If you're paying attention, it says, as we think about our outward man, it says, it is perishing. It's the idea that we are presently, like right now today, you're dying. Like right now today, that's taking place. In fact, I like the way different translations did it. So the New King James, which is what I'm using, says that outward man is perishing. That's really, really good. The New Living Translation just makes sure we get it. It's our bodies. Our bodies are dying. I mean, that's what's happening for us. But there's, there's more. It's, it's one of these words that almost just wants us to kind of see the process, to, to feel the process. So the ESV would say, our outer self is wasting away. 
This gets a little bit more kind of picturesque, or the NASB says the outer man is decaying. The Amplified just kind of does all of those together and says our outer man is progressively decaying and wasting away. I mean, that's just a little bit more graphic, and it's a little bit more like you're supposed to feel it. It's like, hey, this is something that's happening today. I mean, like right now, you're dying. Right now, you, there, 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 there's, there's things that work inside of you. You're one day closer to that. It's really there in your life. In fact, it's happening. Maybe it would help to think about it this way. Silly illustration, but if it works, I think you think about like one of those sand, you know, kind of hourglass kind of things where the sand is, is dropping through and imagining that being your life. And yet part of the problem, you know, it's the, the top part is blocked, so you can't see it. You can't see how much sand is left. All you can see is it's just falling. All you can see is just as every moment goes by, it's being spent. And there's only so much up here, you know, and you're dying. I mean, today you just got closer. We just got a few seconds closer to, to that moment and that reality that's there. And he says, hey, that's what's happening. We are, we are in that space that is that, and that is true for every one of us. Now, before we just go a little further with that, I probably ought to just quickly pause and just say, though that's 100% there, this isn't kind of one of those things that's meant to be depressing that is just like, okay, well, that's horrible. In fact, Warren Wiersbe in his commentary on it says, Paul was not suggesting that the body is unimportant or that we should ignore its warnings or needs. Since our bodies are temples of God, we must care for them, and, and, but we cannot control the natural deterioration of human nature. Let me say that differently. It's not bad to try to take care of your body. I mean, Paul would tell us in 1 Timothy that, you know, bodily exercise has a little profit. I mean, it's a little bit helpful. It's not bad to exercise, not bad to eat well, but you can't change it. You can't change it. No matter how well you eat, no matter how well you exercise, you're going to die. In fact, just in the way that God has worked our world, exercising and eating well doesn't even guarantee you a long life. Like, you, I mean, sometimes the most healthy people die young. I mean, and it just can, can be, there, there is that space in there. So there is no, like, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, if I do this, I can, I can, you know, withstand that. No, that's not what it's saying. I mean, there is a space of being faithful, and yes, I ought to do that, but it doesn't change the reality that that's happening. And maybe that's clear enough, but in one sense, I just want to say, hey, that reality is one of the things that can cause us to lose heart. One of the things that can make life so difficult and one of the things that can make it into that space where you literally find yourself losing heart, feeling like giving up, feeling like I don't know if I can do this, is some of the physical things that happen in our lives, the physical things that God is letting us go through. And again, I know it's different around the room, but I just, just trying to be as clear as I can. I know some of you, this is a big deal. Some of you, it's incessant migraines that sometimes make it hard to, to make you know, another moment of the day. Some of you are struggling with cancer. Some of you have things of uh, fibromyalgia or, or maybe just you, you have just chronic insomnia or maybe you have something in the midst of that and you're just looking at it and you understand, like you feel your body dying. You feel like, man, this is, this is going the wrong direction. And sometimes when you see that, it's so disheartening. It, it's one of those places that the more you think about it, the harder it is to do it. And, and, and sometimes you really, I, I don't know, how do I do this? How do I do this another week? How can I make, how do, how do, how do I keep doing life when it's hard? Uh, when, when some of these things are difficult, and, and that's the question that's being asked, but it's also so wonderfully stated that you're not wrong. You're not wrong that it's hard. 
you're not wrong that you're dying. You are actually dying. Like that's actually happening to you. And there's just something authentic and there's something wonderful about God speaking that. And he says, hey, we are there. It's just not the whole story. Go back and see it. Verse 16, therefore we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. We are dying, yet it's just not the only truth. The inward man is being renewed daily, day by day. This is such an incredible truth, uh, one that needs to be kind of just thought about for a moment, and maybe it makes sense, but there's, there, there's just a way it can go wrong. So God, give me grace to help you say, say this right. Let's just put it as clear as we can and begin by saying it this way. If you're a follower of Jesus, I mean a genuine, born-again follower of Jesus, then that moment that you believed upon Jesus and you were born again, you became what the Bible says is brand new. You had a new life, a new spiritual life that took place in that moment. Paul will say it in the next chapter, in chapter 5, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hey, this is true for every follower of Jesus. Every real follower of Jesus, that moment you believed, hey, that reality, you became brand new in Christ. And yet that's a desperate need for every person. Jesus was the one there in John 3 that just, you know, said to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He will never see heaven. He'll never enter into those realities. Let me just say that as clear as I can. See, you might be here this morning and you're not born again. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you're trying to do good. Maybe you're trying to think, hey, I'm trying to let my good works outweigh my bad or any of the dumb things that people try to do. And I just want to tell you, it's not going to work well for you. Jesus is saying it as clear as he can. Hey, there's only one way. There's only one way. You have to be born again. You have, you have to have a new life. You have to have, be, be born anew. You have to have a brand new life, and that only comes about by Jesus as it goes on in just a couple of verses later. It says it there in that just John 3, 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe, whoever believe in him, you're not going to die. You're going you're to escape death. You're going to have an everlasting life. But it has to be there. there. It's the only way. And this morning, if you're here and that's not you, then death is incredibly scary. There's not a yet for you. It's like you're dying and you're dead and you're going to die. Like, an eternal death is your only kind of reality in the midst of that. And I say that because what a horrible place that is. But today, the gospel is real. Jesus is speaking and he's telling us, hey, that's, that can be you. And if that's you this morning, you desperately need to be born again. You get to have brand new life. And when you're born again, that life becomes yours. That's incredibly good news. It's incredibly good news, and again, just what we need to hear, but it's also worth just coming back to this verse and trying to say, okay, but what are we talking about in this verse? Because here he's saying that inward man is being renewed day by day. Our outward man is perishing every day, but our inward man is being renewed. There's just, it's not just a potential. 
He's not holding out something that might happen, could happen, should happen, would do if you do something. He's saying, this is. This is. This is something that in the life of a follower of Jesus is true every single day. It's not something that we do, but today in Christ, in Christ, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're born again, you are new. And today, today, that newness is still who you are. You are renewed today, upheld by him, and it's his amazing, marvelous grace. Maybe that makes sense, but I'm not sure it really does. In fact, if I don't say this well, it's going to go the wrong direction. Because there's something about us. We are inherently, you know, self-dependent. We are inherently in our rebellion and our humanness. We could look at this and you could hear me saying that you are being renewed every day and it's a weird thing. Some of us take that as an exhortation, like I'll do that. Like, okay, what do I have to do to make that happen? You know, and, and so we'll take this as like, well, you know, I, so I need to, you know, focus on spiritual things. I need to pray. I need to read my Bible. I need to go to church, you know, so that I can renew myself. And that's what you're actually saying. And, and we, we like that kind of actionable, hey, let me do that. But here's the problem. I mean, works have this just 100% thing. They do one of two things. When that becomes your focus, you're either arrogant or depressed. <laughs> really, really is no other choice. Either you feel really, really good about yourself or you feel really, really bad about yourself. Either, you know, you'd be like, I am doing really good or it's like, now I've now I really lost heart. Not only am I physically dying, I'm not doing it good enough spiritually, and, and, and it just, it, it, it's disheartening. And I want to say that's not what he's saying. Now, as I think about that, what makes it complicated is because God invites us to see this newness throughout the New Testament in a way that would help us live our lives. And, and he does so in a number of ways. Let me do my best to help understand it. When we think about it, it is applied. That God will tell us because we are new, that we could live that way that because we're new in him, because that's a part of who we are, we can live that way. When he does that, it's not saying that our living maintains our newness, but our living enjoys the newness that we have in Christ. Again, for some of you Bible students or people who know your Bibles, you'll be able to think this through even more deeply. But in, in a number of the epistles given in the New Testament, he'll talk about this. So you'd have like the book of Romans that for the first 11 chapters unpacks just the glorious salvation that's ours, that tells us, hey, there's not any of us who are good. We are all broken. Like every one of us, we are desperately in need of Christ. And the only way we could get saved, our only hope is Christ, that he is our everything, that, that he is the only way we can be saved. And, and, and that incredible faith that is now ours and living a life no longer based on our works, but by him, he unpacks that. And then in chapter 12, he begins to apply it. He says, okay, because this is true, Give your life to God as a living sacrifice and be renewed. Don't, don't be conformed by this world, but be renewed by, by, your, by you know, just the, the, his transformational work. It's so that you're changing the way you think. And he invites us to take that newness and, and apply it into the way that we live. Ephesians and Colossians will do the same thing. So Ephesians will take the first half of the book and just say, Christ is amazing. We're seated with Christ in the heavenlies. We have brand new life. We were dead, now we're alive. We have incredible life. And then he'll go on in chapter four and says, now because of that, put off the old man and be renewed. And then put on the new man that's yours in Christ. But here's again, if you're tracking just for a little bit, hey, in all those places, what he's telling you is be what you actually already are. Like you're new. Start living like it. Start taking what you genuinely are and bring it into life, not as earning, 
but enjoying what we are in Christ. Now, it has merit. It has, it has things that it does, or it has power that it works. We'll talk about that in the next chapter as we talk about the judgment seat of Christ. But here's what's important. In this moment, as we're looking at something that is, we are made new in Him. Let's come around it one other direction. Again, God help it to land. If you're a follower of Jesus, that moment that you believed, that moment that you believed upon Jesus, that you were born again, you were made brand new. You were made brand new. Maybe that was this week. Maybe it was a year ago. And for you, it's really, really close. Maybe it was a decade ago or several decades ago. But here's what I want you to think through right now. So that moment you were made new, what about today? Are you less new today or more new today in Christ than you were? Answer, you're not. You're, you're as new today in Christ as you were then. The idea of being renewed, I mean, that's like brand new again. I was like, I'm new. I'm still new. I'm still, I'm still in this, this life of newness in Christ that is mine, that Romans 6 would say we get to walk in the newness of life. And the, if you look at to live for a decade as a follower of Jesus or five decades, you don't become like better new. It's like, well, I was new when I got saved and now I'm more new. You, you'll get more new. You're new. You're, you're new then. You're new now. And there's something about that grace that we're upheld in Christ that it, it's as if today it's brand new again. I mean, it's upheld. You know, we think about that passage in Lamentations. You know, God is great, great is his faithfulness. His mercies are new every morning. And, and he is that. But in Christ, it is this. And so he's inviting you to see something that, unlike your physical body, is not changing. You're dying. You are dying. Your physical body is going a direction that you cannot stop. But if you're alive in Christ, you're as alive today as you were, as, as you will ever be. That new life you have in Christ, it is you. It is the real you. It's the eternal you. And it, it, it cannot change. And, and yet it is breathed into us today that gives us life, that we get to look upon this and we'd say, hey, that's who we are, that we're gazing at something that is the wonder of Christ, the gloriousness of the gospel, that, that draws us to a place that we're not looking at something that we're doing, but that he's done, and, and it's who we are. See, again, if I, if I do this badly, if you hear this verse, and I know how it works because my brain can go there as well, you'll still leave this and think, yep, I'm going to work harder at it. I'm, I'm going to work harder at being new. Like, how do you do that? Like, you can't. You're new in Christ, and, and that newness is yours, and so he's inviting us to see these two things side by side. He's, he's telling us, hey, that you, when, when, yes, you can look at your physical body and you're dying, but if you're new in Christ, you're still new in Christ. And, and you're new today and tomorrow and forever and always, that there's this gloriousness of what life we have in him, and he's accomplished it. It's by grace we've been saved. It's his work, his accomplishment that brings us into that, and that changes everything. I wish I could say that better. I just want to tell you, it's so present. These two things are meant to be seen. It's not that we deny that we're dying. We don't, we don't deny that life is hard. We don't deny that, 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 that sickness and pain and suffering is there. We've talked about that the last few weeks, that we have this, in, in, in this treasure in jars of clay, and we, we get to own that. But it's just not the only story. 
alongside that story is the glorious gospel of Christ that makes us new. It changes everything. It changes absolutely everything and gives us eternal life, and we're supposed to see both of these. Okay, more on that in a moment. Let's go back and just notice it a little bit more. So he says that's who we are. We're being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So he brings to reality, we want to talk again about it, affliction. Affliction. It's one of those words that speaks about being pressed, pressure, stress. We could say everything that is hard. Everything that is hard. Now, we've been talking about that. In fact, it's the same word that was used back in verse 8. Back up a couple verses and remind you guys what's there. He tells us this in verse 8. We are hard-pressed on every side. Quick pause. Hard-pressed, it's the same word. Greek philipsis, it speaks of pressure, it speaks of that which presses into our life, and he says, boy, we are afflicted. We are afflicted a lot, like in every way. I mean, yeah, life is hard sometimes. We are afflicted or hard-pressed on every side. We're never crushed. We're perplexed, not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the, li- the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our body. Yeah, that's a part of what we're getting to go through. Our life faces that we have this affliction, and it's purposeful. Again, we talked about that, so again, I want to go back into it. That that's how the gospel is being kind of just intentionally put forward and rightly put forward in our world, and yet again, we just look on it and say, okay, that's real. Like, we're not denying it. We're not in any space of saying, hey, affliction isn't real. We're not saying life isn't hard. It is hard. I mean, we are dying. It is painful at times. But he wants to let us see what affliction is from a very different perspective. He tells us, first of all, there in verse 17, our light affliction. Yeah, our affliction is light. This has the picture of a weight. It's as if you could look at a scale and you would place all the trouble and sorrow and hard things that you're going through, and you're going to put it on the scale. And Paul wants to say, when you put it on the scale, I want to make sure that you see it. It's really not that heavy. It's really light. Now, I say that, and I just want to just talk to you about it, because maybe you hear that, and you're thinking, huh, mine doesn't feel very light. Maybe Paul's life wasn't so hard. My life feels hard, you know, and and maybe you're kind of looking at this thinking, well, I don't know what he says is light because maybe his life wasn't as difficult as what I'm going through. Maybe he had it easy. And again, I just say that kind of tongue in cheek. If you know the story, you're like, "Uh, actually not so, Um, because he'll actually tell us what his life was like. Just a few chapters from now, he'll tell us in chapter 11 as he's kind of reasoning with these false teachers. He says, are they ministers of Christ? Speak as a fool. I am more. And labor's more abundant, and stripes, like I get whipped, he says, above measure. I can't even remember how many times I've been, you know, beaten with, with whips, he says. In prisons, more frequently, in deaths, like all the time, like I'm often, you know, about to die, you know, kind of deal. He says, from the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Like, there was five, they whipped me and, you know, gave me one less, but man, I was beaten. I, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day, I was left out there just floating in the ocean. I was just in the deep, just kind of surviving out in the midst of life. He says, in journeys, often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, 
and perils of my own countrymen, and perils of the Gentiles, and perils in the city, and perils in the wilderness, and perils in the sea, and perils among false brethren, and weariness and toil, and sleeplessness often, and hunger and thirst, and fastings often, and cold and nakedness. Besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. I just want to just kind of have you own that with me for a second. Like, that's a, that's a list. I mean, if we were to kind of put, like, what you're going through or I'm going through next to Paul, it's like, okay, now I'm embarrassed. Like, you know, I was going to complain a moment ago that my life is hard, and then Paul tells me, it's like, okay, you know, yeah, comparatively, it's easy. I mean, maybe you feel differently. Maybe you're like, no, mine's still pretty hard, Jim. And I don't want to make light of that. But I know for most of us, we're like, okay, yeah. No. I mean, if that's what Paul was saying his afflictions were, and yet he's going to call them light, mine are so much lighter than his. But from Paul's perspective, it was light in comparison to what he has in Christ. In fact, he would say it to us this way in Romans 8. He says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. He says, here's what I do. I, I'm going to put it on the scale. And on one, on one side of the scale, I'm going to put my sufferings. On the other side of the scale, I'm going to put what the glory is that's going to be revealed in us. I'm going to put what I get in heaven. I'm going to put what God's giving to me. And he says, you know what? Boom. I'm like, that is, that is so much weightier than this. That changes everything. When I look and I see, you know, what this is next to that, I can look, he says, and say, hey, these things, they, they're not that big. They're not that big. Comparison to what Christ has done for us. They're light. And they're momentary. Yeah, we notice what he says there. He says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Most of our troubles, most of your troubles, will not last your whole life. God in his mercy and his grace, most of the things that are hard for us, they have seasons. And sometimes those seasons are short, sometimes they're a little bit longer. But for most of us, boy, they, they don't even take up our whole life. But even if they did, even if they take up your whole life, you lay that next to eternity, and you see what life is here, and you're like, this is just a moment. <laughs> Whatever we go through here, it's so temporary. It, it's so small. Our life is a vapor, the Bible tells us, that we're to see its, its shortness. And, and this thing here that is where we will face difficulty, and it's the only place we will. Heaven's coming, and there's no more pain, there's no more sorrow, there's no more suffering. So the only place that affliction is found is, is in this small little space. And Paul says, when you can see it, it's just not very long. Hey, that's really, really helpful. That's really, really helpful. And again, I'm just wanting to speak it as clear as I can, because if you could just believe that, you will be helped. Because here's how it works. Sometimes when we're going through a hard thing, that's the thing that's overwhelming. It's never going to get better. Is it always going to be this way? Is, is, this, is this my whole existence? Is this everything? A am I going to face this every day for the rest of my life? Those are the questions sometimes that make us lose heart, where at that moment, we, it, it just feels bigger. But if you can look at it and say, you know what? Even if it does, 
it is so short of a time compared to what I have in eternity. And this is, this is momentary. This is but a moment of space and time. And if I can make sure that I don't let that occupy a bigger space in my, in my future perspective, it would change the way I see my life. But it's more. So it's light. It's momentary. And then he tells us, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working. For us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Yeah, everything we are going through is working. I mean, it's a part of the the story that God is working inside of us, and nothing that we're going through doesn't flow into that. We talked about this last week. It's again one of those famous verses, Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. So only true for believers. If you're not a follower of Jesus, this isn't true for you, and we plead with you to come to Christ. But if you are a follower of, a follower of Jesus, it is true for you. How much? Everything. Everything is working together for good. Now, again, I just want to pause and just kind of just speak to the other side of this for a moment. That's not encouraging us to say, hey, it doesn't really matter. Do whatever you want because it all is going to turn out good in the end. That's not, that's not the heart that he has. Again, he's going to tell us in the next chapter, even though eternity is ours, we're still going to face the judgment seat of Christ, and there's still a place of saying, hey, I want to live my life well. I, I want to do things for Christ because I know I'm going to stand before him. But if I'm his, there's not any space that he's not working, that he's not working through what we're doing that's going to work good. If we don't see it in this life, we're going to see it in eternity. And, and just to recognize that, that it's flowing in that direction, just to look at whatever it is you're going through and say, I don't know what God's doing with this. I just know that it has, you know, God's doing something. You know, he's, 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 he's going to work good through this in some good way so that whatever hard it is, thing it is, it's not pointless. It's not valueless because, again, that's another space that when we, when we believe it, when you are sitting there and you have that migraine that won't go away, when you're awake and, you know, for the fourth night in a row at 3 o'clock in the morning and you, and you're, you're, or you're sitting in another doctor's appointment facing cancer, and sometimes you can just look at it and say, hey, this means nothing. There's no value to this. It, there's, it, it, it's pointless. It's a waste of my, that's a lie. That's a lie. If you're in Christ, there's not anything that you're going through that he is not doing something with, that he is working for it, and he's inviting us to see what that is. And he, he does it in such a magnanimous way. I mean, he uses such a, a, a phrasing of it that is just wild and wonderful, and, and it almost is this building phrase. And so let's just build it a little bit together and, and maybe help you to see it. So the key word in it is glory, that he's working glory. Now, glory is a great word. It speaks of eternity. It speaks of beauty. It speaks of holiness. It speaks of that which is forever. And if he only used this word, it would be more than enough. If he just looked at you and said, you know what? Whatever you're going through, it's going to be glorious. Whatever you're going through, you're going to see it from a heavenly perspective, and you're going to say, glory. Like, that's, God, you're good. You're, you're great. And if he only said glorious, it would be more than enough for us, but God in his kindness wants to add to us in his phrasing of it. He says, so he doesn't just say it's glorious. He says it's going to be a weight of glory, which is a really cool phrase. Interesting enough, in the Hebrew, the word glory actually has the idea of weight. And so it's almost like this play on words that it's like weighty, weighty. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, like this has weight to it. This has substance to it. 
Uh, it's this contrast to what he said, our, our afflictions, they're light. This is heavy. This is something that has substance to it. This is something that has beautiful, glorious weight to it. And again, if that's where he stopped, it would be enough. I'd be like, okay, that's all I needed to know. Hey, whatever I'm going through, there's a weight of glory that's mine. But then he just wants to remind us, that's an eternal weight of glory. That weight isn't just for a moment. It's going to last forever. Our trials, they are momentary. Whatever you're going through, he says that light affliction, which is but for a moment, but this is going to last forever and ever and ever and ever, and it's going to be good. It's never going to get old. It never gets boring. It never loses its way. It's going to be glorious, and it's going to be glorious forever. And again, if that's all that he said, it would be like, okay, wow, that's all I needed to know. But he says it even better. I mean, he just wants to say, hey, if you could look on this not only as an eternal weight of glory, it's an exceeding eternal weight of glory. It's as if he says, if that wasn't enough, it is so much better. It exceeds. It far surpasses. It blows doors on this. It leaves it in the dust and says, this is so much. This is glorious. That's little. This is big. This is amazing. And again, if it just stopped there, it would be enough. But God goes further. He says, it's more exceeding which is just kind of like just using words that says the same thing because like exceeding and more are kind of the same thing. It's more and exceeding. It's more and more. You know, it's like it's passing, passing. It's, 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 it's so much more. And if that wasn't enough, he just tosses one other word. It is far more. It is a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory. And words just pile on here to somehow make you and I gaze on something and say, that's big. That's better. That's beautiful. That's substantial. That's, 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 that's really the big deal. That's the thing that changes everything, that that would do that into our life. And it's just inviting us to see it that way. I like the way the New Living Translation paraphrases this one, so let me just put it on the screen. It just simply says it this way. Our present troubles are small. They won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that is vastly outweighs them and will last forever. It says you're going to look at, you're looking at something that doesn't last and something that lasts forever. You're looking at something that is, you know, that is meant to be that, that we see it, that we understand it, that we get that. Now, it's to that space that he just invites us what that should be doing for us. And so notice what he says. Verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So his invitation is, don't stare, don't look at, those things that are temporary, don't let that occupy, you know, the majority of your perspectives and thoughts. You know, don't, he says, that's not what you're supposed to be focused on. Like, that's not what's supposed to occupy, like, that's not to have your capture your vision where you're not looking at it all the time. Instead, he says, but instead of that, we are supposed to be looking at those things that we cannot yet see and are eternal. It's that that is supposed to capture our understanding. It's that that is supposed to, to make it where we see that. Again, let me just kind of put the New Living Translation on the screen because I like especially one of the phrases. He says, so we do not look 
at the troubles we can see now, but rather we fix our gaze. And I like that. We fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. The things which we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. I like the phrase fixing our gaze because in many ways it's a good rendering of it. He's inviting us to say, hey, that's what we're looking at. Like, we're intentionally making sure that what we see and what we focus on is that. Now, I'm telling you this, I'm kind of encouraging this, but let's just be honest. For some of you, that's exactly what the problem is. If you looked at the way that you're doing life, all you spend your time looking at are the things that you can see. You see you're dying, and you see that life is hard, and you see you're afflicted, and day by day, that's what you see. And you know what? If you do that, if that's what captures your attention, you're going to lose heart. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. You, you just look at it enough, and you look at the brokenness in your life. You look at the brokenness in our world. You know, you spend your time looking at what's happening in Washington, or you look at your time, and, and you think, okay, these things are so big. And I'm just telling you, they're not. They're really, really small. They're about to all go away. Everything that's wrong is about to go away. But if you only look there, then you're going you're to lose heart. You're going to lose heart. But he's telling us, hey, there's a better way. There's a better way. It's not that we're denying life is hard. We're not denying that, that it's difficult. That's, that's false teaching. That's the prosperity gospel. That's the whole thing of pretending somehow that life isn't hard, which isn't true. It'd be dishonest. It'd be dishonest with truth. It'd be dishonest with God's word. And he's not saying that. He's just saying that shouldn't occupy all of your perspective. That the major- more, more of your perspective should look to those things that is a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory that you should be able to say, okay, I'm more excited over what's coming than I am worried about what's here. I'm more excited about heaven than I'm worried about what's happening in Washington. I'm, I'm more excited about this glorious place in Christ than I am, hey, you know, my headaches or my cancer or my whatever that is. You can look and say, okay, you know, when I, when I look at it, there's something that's bigger than that. It's a space that we would be invited to see it. And I think about it. It's such a, a good exhortation. I think about it. Uh, Corey Tim Boom has that familiar quote that some of you would be thinking through or maybe have already even thought through, wondering if I'd use it this morning, where she simply said, if you look at the world, you'll be distressed. If you look within, you'll be depressed. But if you look at God, you'll be at rest. I just want that to land for a moment. Hey, if you look at the world, like you're going to spend your time looking at Washington or what's happening in Ukraine or some of the hard and horrible things that are in our world, some of the brokenness, and you spend your time, it is depressing. You'll be distressed. You'll be stressed about our world. You'll be stressed about what's happening. If you're just going to look at your own heart and and you're going to look at your body and what your life looks like and your physical problems and and your days, you'll just be depressed. You'll You'll be depressed. But if you're taking time to look at Christ and say, you know what? Hey, those things are true, but Jesus died for me. I am new. I am brand new in Christ. I'm new today. I, I have life in him, and this isn't the end of the story for me. I got an eternity, an eternal and exceeding weight of glory. If that's my perspective, it changes things. It doesn't deny what we're facing, but it changes the perspective so that we would look upon it and say, hey, that's exactly what he's inviting us to, a place that we see it that way. 
It's obviously so that as he's looking at it, he's calling us to look more at it. So I'll kind of fade out the, the, the ones we're not supposed to be looking at and just highlight a little bit more. Hey, we're looking at this new life we have in Christ. We're looking at this light momentary afflictions, but they're working for us. And I, I, I'm supposed to see it that way. I wonder if God could put a percentage on it, uh, a perspective, and if he could give you like one of those things, you know, I don't know, some of you have, you know, one of those phones that can give you screen time, right? You know, and can kind of pop up and say, hey, here's, here's how much time you spent on social media, or here's how much time you spent doing that. What if he could pop it up and say, here's how much time you looked at heaven, and here's how much time you looked at the world. Here's how much time you thought about things that are forever, and here's how much time you were thinking about now and hard. And I wonder how that would be. And, and I wonder if for some of you, you go, no wonder. No wonder I'm having a hard time. No wonder I'm losing heart. I, I spent 90% of my time, 95% I don't, you know, of thinking of, of only this world instead of thinking, no, this is, this is small. I, I'm looking at Christ. I'm looking at a brand new life that I am in him. I'm looking at him who ma- has made me new. I'm looking at what that's going to mean for me for all eternity, and I'm looking at a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Like, I just find myself thinking about it. Like, I actually can't wait to get there. I'm excited about what that looks like. I'm, and he says, if you do that, it'll rescue. Now, I just want to, you know, come into this and say, hey, this is needed for all of us. I mean, it really, really is. But I'm just honestly asking, I wonder where it meets you right now. I want to come back and say it one more time. If you're not in Christ, boy, the good things that are ours are not yours. You're dying, and your eternity is horrible, and, and there's no hope. You're dead, and yet God would invite you to see the, who you are and come to Christ. Today, you can be made new. Today, you can, you can have new life in Christ, not because of you, but because of Christ you'd look upon him and be saved, and we invite you to, that's absolutely needed. Many of you here this morning, you are a follower of Jesus. And again, probably for all of this, I mean, I, I just kind of trying to be honest, I don't think there's any of us that go, man, that's an interesting verse, interesting study, doesn't have anything to do with my life. You know, I don't think there's anybody here that's kind of that way. It's like, you know, it's like, no, we, we, we understand that a little bit. But I just wonder if I'm talking to somebody very specific. I mean, you're here, and to be quite honest, you are absolutely losing heart. You're here, and you're just barely hanging on. I don't know what's going on. I don't know if it's cancer. I don't know if it's someone who's died in the family. I don't know if it's chronic. I don't know if it's unknown in your life. But the thing is, right now, you're barely hanging on. I mean, honestly, you, it's the question you're asking. You, you, can't, you, you think it through sometimes. I don't know how I can do another day. How? I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how I can make it another day. I, I can't imagine making it another month. I can't imagine making it. And, and you're just, you're barely holding on. And I just want to tell you, boy, we love you. And we're just, we're not wanting to speak any condemnation into your life. We're not wanting to beat you up. But I'm just asking, if you're his this morning, could it be that you've just been spending all your time looking at the wrong thing? We're not denying it's hard. We're not saying your life is not difficult. We're admitting. We live in broken bodies. They're dying, every one of us. And we're we're not to be ignorant of that. It just isn't the whole story. It isn't the whole story. 
And, and the, the, the weightier, more wonderful story is what Christ has accomplished for us. What you have in Christ, that if you could see the eternal weight of glory, if you could see what you are, that new person you are in Christ, you would be able to say, whatever this is, it's small, momentary, I can do it. Because I have something so much better, and I'm just inviting you to turn your focus. Maybe, maybe you just need to spend more time looking at that. Maybe you just need to spend some time not just looking at your body or your physical struggles or your struggles with our world or your struggles with the broken things in the world. Like, that should not occupy the, your only focus. He's inviting you to fix your gaze on Him. See Jesus, see Him who's accomplished everything. And it's a really good, I mean, Paul's like, hey, that's how we do it. That's how we don't give up. That's how we don't give in. That's how we don't throw in the towel because, yes, it's hard, but we have this. And this is what carries us through. This is what helps us go another day. This is sometimes what it is. It is, sometimes is that. You know, some have said, you know, one of the things about life is that it can only be lived one day at a time. You can't live two days at the same time. And sometimes that's all you have. But in that moment, what can carry you through today is seeing what's coming. Like, it can give you strength to make it another day. I mean, because that's where, I mean, the, this whole verse is speaking in this moment. You're dying today but you're held alive in Christ today. And he's doing good things right now, and it could meet you today. And I'm just, again, I'm just pleading. If that's you this morning, know we love you. Be rescued. If it's not you right now, you might look on this and think, well, I hope they're getting that. You know, it's like, I just didn't tell you, hey, they're coming. Days come. There's, there's not any one of us that is exempt from pain, sorrow, and suffering. And when those valleys come, having this kind of thing and saying, okay, here's what I get. I, I, I need to make sure that doesn't grab all of my attention because it'll kill me. It, it, it'll wipe me out. If, that, if that's all I can see, it'll be my end. Uh, and and, that, and I just, that's not how I'm supposed to. And so he's saying, hey, here's how you can do it. This is how you can do it. And I'm just wanting to sew it into your arsenal, kind of put it into your, 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 your just supply that you can say, hey, if it's today you're needing this, and all of us need it a little bit today, but if it's not overwhelming today, it probably will be in spaces. And it's okay, but just get this. Be able to say, hey, I, I, this is who I am. I, I, I get to see what this is. So let's read it one more time, and then we'll close with that. So I just want you to hear the words one last time, just reading through these verses. He says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing. Yet our inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Why we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, and the things which are not seen are eternal. Hey, you can close your Bibles, your notebooks, and let's just take a moment to pray. Wherever that's met you, uh, maybe it just needs to be a space right now that you need to do exactly what this said. Hey, quit looking at the things that you can see. Take a moment and see what you can't see. Look at the eternal right now. Maybe just needing to do that in, the, in your own life. I just want to invite you to take a moment and do that right here and right now. Again, if you don't know Jesus, it's a great moment for you to just surrender to Christ. And we'd love to talk to you more about it in a moment. But no matter where this has found you, we just invite you into it. So you take a quiet moment and pray. I'll do the same, and then we'll close in worship in just a moment.
God, we do just cry out for those who don't have this at all. And, and I can't even begin to even fathom how dark and empty that really is to be dying and have no hope. To, to have no eternity that, that is in heaven, to have eternal death. Darkness and emptiness. And God, I, I, I just, I'm just asking that today for any that are there, they'd be drawn to Christ. That you show them what they need, the gospel, and, and the only hope that is you, and that they would be born again. God, I pray for that. Do it again. Rescue those who are perishing. And yet I bring my brothers and sisters who have found new life in you. And I think about it, Lord. I think about where we are. We are, we are brand new. We are as new today as we were that moment we believed. And, it's, and we didn't do that. You did that. We're new because of you, Jesus. You have made us new. And you hold us and sustain us even today, day by day, just renewing. And, and Christ, that's you. Thank you. Thank you for new life. Thank you for eternal life that is entirely built on you. And yet, Lord, even in these moments that are affliction, you're, you're, you're working. In these small, light, passing moments, even them you're weaving into that fabric of eternity. And that eternity is going to be glorious, weighty, forever. Lord, I think about that far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory and just want to say thank you. I, just want to, I want to see it for a moment. I just want to gaze and say, that's real. That's forever. That's good. Thank you for that. Thank you for even what that looks like. And Lord, just help us to see it more. May you strengthen every heart here. May you draw everyone who is yours to be those who do this a little bit better, a little bit more, that we'd spend more time thinking about eternity than we yet are and the wonder and the glory of what's coming. Yet as we close this prayer, I do want to once more pray for the one who is absolutely devastated right now. They are losing heart. They're, they're struggling to make it another day. And they honestly don't know how they're going to do it. God, would you speak life to them? Would you, would, you, would you speak the reality that you see, that you're honest with the struggle that's there? We are dying. It is true. It's just not the whole story. God, would you, would you open up eyes to see and to find hope to make it another day, to not lose heart, to not throw in the towel, to not give up, because we see what's coming is so much better. God, thank you for that hope. I pray that you'd help us to have that, know that, walk in it more. We ask for that together right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God meet you in hope. May he strengthen it. May Christ be the one that strengthens your life in a present way. Hey, if you don't know Jesus, once more, we're here. Come up afterwards, talk to us. We'd love to share the gospel more and be a part of seeing that become a part of your life. But right now we want to close in worship. So why don't you all stand? We're going to kind of enter into a final space of worship, just that God just to be that focus in that. And to that end, I just want to bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.